Blog Talk Radio. And all the world is football shaped. It's just for me to kick face. And I can see Hello, welcome to a really cloudy cloudy day of Yellow Card Podcast brought to you by Global Stars. They are doing a referral program. If you refer someone to their product, they'll give you 50% off. Okay, this is going to be a fun, fun, this is going to be a fun, fun show this today. Obviously, I have Keith Kokinda on, and I have Matt Hoffman dri- driving up California at this point, and we're all aggravated, one thing, and this is going to provide um, one of my new blogs I write for, a really interesting article. The MLS is being very mean right now, and it needs to stop. And it's called, they are putting on hiatus Chivas USA. In other words, they just did what they did to Tampa and Miami to the L.A. Galaxy, uh, the L.A. LA market. And you know what? I I personally hope that when when this ha- when this happens that those fans that the MLS just is screwing over screwing over walks away. Walks away. This is horrible. Anyway, I know Keith has got some pretty substantial points he wants to bring on this and potentially he was part of this new era and it makes me think with what LA2 is going to be, that it might be worse. So why don't you take, take it away, Keith? Well, first, my first point on all of this is I honestly don't think it's going to be LA2. I really don't. And here's the reason why. If, um, if you go to um, Alicia Rodriguez's late column from yesterday afternoon after these reports first hit, the original reports came from ESPN FC, and once again, like we heard earlier when the first rumors started flying about a possible hiatus for Chivas USA, MLS is not coming out flat out saying this is wrong. So, But I just have a sneaky suspicion this is not going to be LA2. And Alicia points out a very good point in this is you've got – you're talking about getting a stadium planned and built – in two and a half years. And in Los Angeles, that is not easy. If you want proof, go ask AEG and how much time they're having getting the NFL stadium built. Now, admittedly, it's a little different situation because they still don't have a team to put there yet in one fashion or another. But when you're talking the NFL, you'd think the powers that be in Los Angeles would want to, if they wanted the NFL badly enough, would make this stadium happen because – it would make it would make it a lot easier to get a team in whatever fashion they plan to do it. So if you think this is going to happen in two and a half years, I, I'm sorry, I just don't see it happening. And the other thing that cropped up just earlier today, finally news comes out that we can use on the show. Grant Wall is reporting that the group, the leading candidate group to buy this club and re, uh, rebrand it, restart it, 2017 includes. Movie producer Peter Gruber and Victor Tan. Yes, the same Victor Tan who bought Carter City a couple years ago, threw away 125 years of tradition, 
and said, we're wearing red shirts because red is my favorite color, and angered a lot of fans, then presided over uh, a disastrous season which, in which the Bluebirds were relegated. So, they, and now they're claiming that they will have a stadium done in 2017. Well, if you can pull this off, I'll be very impressed. Although, to me, the wild card is this. First of all, we all know, because Victor Tan's involved, we all know they're going to wear red shirts. We can safely say that based on what happened at Cardiff City. But to me, the wild card in this is Peter Goober. And again, this is a big-time Hollywood entertainment mogul. We're talking stuff like you know, Midnight Ex- movie like Midnight Express, Flashdance, a whole bunch of movies that are brought in $3 billion at the box office, 50 Academy Award nominations. You know, this is a man who knows the, not only the ins and outs of Hollywood, but the Los Angeles area in general, because keep in mind, he's also a minority owner in the Golden State Warriors of the NBA, as well as part of Magic Johnson's group that owns the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a guy who's very well established in this town. He, he, to me, if you if they can get this done, if they want to get this done in 2017 and still play in Los Angeles, I think he's going to be the key guy in this whole thing. I can't remember. There are two other names as part of this group, and I can't remember them off the top of my head again. Grant Wall had the whole story on this. And uh, Grant's usually pretty reliable on these things. But as I, if, I, if you told me I had to put something I value on this, I'd say they're not coming back to Los Angeles. Where, I don't know, but I just don't see this happening in two years. Uh, because, again, this is this, you know, it, it's going to be a very, very difficult uh, process to get this done. You know, it took a while to get. It took a long time to get the Home Depot Center or StubHub or whatever the heck it's called this week. You know, it's it's to look at what's been going on with the NFL stadium. It, it's just going to be very very difficult, and I just don't see them coming back in Los Angeles. Yeah, which which, which would be sad. I want to I want to see. Let's see, Matt, Matt. Can you hear us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, good. Can. I can hear you too. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Is this a practical joke? Um, so I'm I'm moving to Oregon. I, I'm about 200 miles south of Oregon. I haven't been on internet all day. Uh, are you joking me? Are you pulling my leg? No. As the director of Flash no, Stand, it's going to be the no, minority no, owner. What a feeling! No, no, no. The, 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 Grant, Grant Wall had. Yeah, no. Grant Wall had the report early this afternoon, and this somewhere Dan, around two o'clock. The Vincent Tan. The I don't this care if they're called the Bluebirds. I'm wearing red. Pizza tan. I mean, seriously, if this is a prank, you guys got me. You guys got no, me. It's really it, good. This it's is good. Not, I, go, go, I'm serious. Grant Wall had the story up about 2 no, o'clock I, this I, afternoon. Yeah. And I apologize He's, for saying Victor Tan is Vincent Tan. My mistake. I do apologize for that. But, no, this is no joke. We're not kidding. Wow. That's uh, that's insane. Yeah. That's hilarious. I can't believe it. Um, wow. Well, that's uh, that's stunning. Um, you take a day off, you miss a bunch. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. I, I, that's a lot to digest. Um, well, listen, I mean, he's a very successful businessman. Um, yeah. The, the rumored site has been the, um, it's on USC campus. It was formerly the LA Sports Arena where the Clippers played back in the days of, you know, Danny Manning. Um, that's, that's the leading candidate. Um, I mean, all I know is what the league has said, which is that there had to be uh, – it, it had to stay in L.A. 
Um, by LA, I assume that meant Orange County as well. When you look at the uh, look at the LA rivalries, the Kings are in LA, however, and the, the Ducks are in Anaheim, which is Orange County. Um, uh, the Angels also, you know, they're also in uh, Anaheim. So I assume that that extended to, to Orange County. So and that the uh, ownership group had to be based in LA. So I'm not sure how strict that was, but obviously that was there because uh, previously Jorge Vergara, Chivas USA, um, owned Chivas and made, uh, I think, uh, two trips in the nine years, you know, he made two years of two trips up the cars. Um, now, I'm really, I had all sorts of jokes because every time I got to me, it just kind of, that all just went to pop because it said, this damn pop last year. I, I got nothing. Well, also, Matt, well, I'm glad you enlightened us on that because I was unaware that they had to keep the team in Los Angeles, although you brought up a good point with Anaheim. To me, I think I'm in the position that these guys are in. I think I'd be more inclined to go look for some place in Anaheim rather than stay in Los Angeles. I mean, first of all, the LA Sports Arena, I like the idea for a couple reasons. Number one, the place shouldn't have been built to begin with. That was a big mistake for the Los Angeles Coliseum Commission to build that arena because they did they um because what happened was and this is uh general this is from a book called The League, The Rise and Decline of the NFL, written by David Harris. And he talked about when Jack Kent Cook, who owned the Redskins at the time, also was bringing Los Angeles Kings to town. And that place I think we called the Washington football What's that? We called the Washington football Yeah, but the other sports arena was built in anticipation of getting the uh, Lakers and the Los Angeles Kings in there, but the L.A. Coliseum Commission people angered Jack Kent Cook to a point where he said, the heck with it, I'm not dealing with you people, and that's what he built the forum and put both teams out there, and the L.A. sports arena has been pretty much a white elephant ever since. You know, of course, you know, David Harris's book, he talks about how this, after, uh, after all the bills were paid for both places, the Coliseum and the sports arena, there was nobody left. And that was an issue that st- that stuck with them well through the 80s uh, when, Al- even when Al Davis moved the Raiders there. So that would be, a, if you wanted to stay in Los Angeles, the sports arena would be a g- good idea just to get rid of that place and everything else. But if I'm do- if I'm in charge, if I'm making decisions, I look at Anaheim seriously. Well, well, you've already got two teams there. there was a, Why it, not? Uh, so it became, uh, about a year ago, it came into the domain of USC. And... Uh, all throughout it, they said that they wanted to turn to Major League Soccer. That was the only thing that Major League Soccer. That's about football. That's not any other sport. They said Major League Soccer. So that makes an obvious candidate, but that doesn't make it the only thing. Yeah. Um, now, and I do feel, uh, honestly, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty emotional. Uh, I've been covering this team for uh, the last three years, various uh, forums. Get to know the players. They're uh, all Damn fine. Um, you can hope the best. Um, the teams have really done well, but you know, uh, I, have you guys seen the salary figures that just came out? Oh, you mean that cash is going to be make, making more than uh, David Beckham ever would? No, well, that's the thing. The, the whole team, the, uh, salary is about three million dollars, and uh, you know, when you factor out the season, you know, Bobby Burling got expired. Uh, Paul Negos retiring, so he's off the book. Uh, we have two very devil edits that back to Seattle. I think that's something that feel. Um, league world, I don't think it's not five there. Um, and then, um, 
what other contract is look for life. But so I think that the solar cap is probably down to dollars. There's a million of that is just Dan Kennedy, um, Ita, Kubo, um, uh, um contract. It is what it is. Um and two other and uh it's like the Ipotato and uh Andrew's on top too. So that's a million dollars right there. I can trade that away. So the contract, um, you know, sometimes went that down. The the questions are always the okay, so you know, uh, where's the players go? Well, it's going to have to. Um, and you can think, well, they're going to have a a floor at fifty price. Um, you know that that that's one thing, but fifty price probably put up through. Um, Early concussion, you know. Um, you know, Wilma Ferrer is great man. Fantastic father, great coach. I don't know if it's going to happen for leverage. Uh, that's that. Just, uh, I have a big chance to be a great coach. Uh, he's a great man. Uh, always has time for people. Uh, he hates the students. You know, you always assume that it's going to be right? And right. there isn't. You know, and also a bill that people like Zach Penel or Antonio uh, or, or Minnesota wants to be in soccer and hold, hell, oh, they only have so many teams and we're going to have to be in LA, you know, even though even doesn't drive that well. And that's what I really feel bad about is how MSU is, uh, you know, well, I've been a Royals fan. I, I, when I was uh, about 12, 20, uh, 15 years old, I moved away for the Moved to Kansas City. And uh, I started going to Royals games because I was in the airport. I've been a Ford. But I got to, you know, I'm a Royals fan. And I stuck with them. And, you know, they had year after year of the Epic game. I remember one year I was excited. It's like, they're only going to lose 95 games this year. Yeah. But, you know, the problem with the Royals was that they, were, they had no keep uh, pick up. They just they just have the payroll. Um, whereas Tebus, the way Tebus is the lead, the the way that Tebus is built, the whole point of Tebus Guadalajara is built Mexican national team. How that even got too far they made the soccer structure is just wrong. And quite honestly, I think the league kind of um, you know they were they were willing willing participant of this. Um, you know and, and you know so. It was dismantled at the start. And, you know, this last year, they got the right people in there. And you got the right coach, Wilmer Sparrow. You got the right president, Nelson Rodriguez. But you know what? If you're playing with fire, both things are out. You get a pilot up there, you know, he can only yank up the handle so hard. You know? Is that, that, yeah. that plays that, that's a number one. That's, that's a good analogy, Matt, because you're, you're right on all counts. It was. You, the mistake started by, I've said this before, the mistake calling, she was, the first mistake was calling Chivas USA in the first place. That was mistake number one. Uh, yeah, number two, uh, Mr. Vergara uh, has mismanaged the club uh, severely, and as I've said before, uh, I think Sofia Vergara could have done a better job uh, than Jorge Vergara did. So it's, and you're right, MLS has been a willing partner because they, they wanted this. Uh, they wanted to have this team with this identity that uh, would appeal to his, the Hispanic market uh, in the Los Angeles area, conveniently forgetting the fact that Chivas are not only the most loved club in Mexico, they're also the most despised uh, as well. So it's, uh, 
Yeah, a clean start is definitely needed. Uh, and, yeah, I, I do have empathy for the players who are going to be you know, cut loose. I'm guessing they're going to be cut loose from their contracts uh, because you can't let them – you're certainly not going to keep them on contract for two seasons. You know, this is obviously this is a new thing for for MLS. Yeah, they've contracted a couple of teams, Tampa Bay and Miami, uh, and they've had a couple moves. And this is the first time they put a club on hiatus. This was something, and this was something that was very common practice in the old major indoor soccer league, the original one back in the '80s. Teams would take a year off, and they'd usually they almost always resurface someplace else. I can only, I think there are maybe one, maybe two times where a team actually came back in the same city. Maybe not even that many. Um, so this is, uh, it's a crazy situation all around, but again, it was, it was bungled from the start on multiple fronts, as you said, Matt. I love this team. I've had blast covering them. There is no other team like you as good day. Um, I had a very, very special bond, uh, with Kiva. Um, I, I love everyone I've worked with there, and, you know, I think the league, is going to do it right. They need to make sure that the people in the front office, the staff, the coaching staff, the players are taken care of. You know, if if, it, if they aren't, then I think we need to raise hell because that's not right. Um, these people showed up. Um, they taken my crazy email at all hours of the day. Um, you know, I couldn't ask for a better job. I mean, I, I got I got to work with the galaxy, but my main Joke. I mean, Jermaine Jones, blind draw. What are they going to do? Put, um, play fifty-two card pickup with these players? I mean, it's. You know, I, I, I I agree with you. Musical chairs. Both sides. I, I mean, what? what now, I'm just. This is what Brian Trout said. No, he the he has sources. The Carlisle sources. Brett Wallace sources. Um, you know, this is what we have to go up, and and these are all three very good reporters. Dan and so all all they said is that there might be a um, they might go out alone, that might be separated by the team, there might be a purple draft. Um, you know, and, and it might just be a case where 
You know, they mm-hmm. kind of tell the guy where you want to go and try to find a situation. So if that's done, use fast bill. You know, I don't know, I guess, what you say, Dallas? He was, he was part of the uh, FD Dallas movement uh, of youth, youth work, of what sort of the spirit. Um, you know, Thomas McNamara, that might be, he might have a great hope in uh, NYCF. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's recovered from his ACL injury. He looks bright, he looks dry. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm maybe devastated to the board, but I, I am sad that I'm playing. And well, you should be. It's, it is, it's a bad situation. And uh, before you go, I, we, we want to mention you know, this is the Yellow Carter Podcast. It's brought to you by Global Scarves. So make sure you follow them on Twitter at Global Scarves. Also, speaking of Twitter, Blog Talk Radio is making this podcast day. And so if you're on Twitter, get out there and uh, make sure you include a blog at Blog Talk Radio, our show, Yellow Carded Pod, and include the hashtag podcast day. And uh, Blog Talk Radio most likely uh, favored that tweet, so I wanted to make sure we got those in there uh, before we continue and, further at the bottom of the hour. And you're forgetting the, other, you're forgetting the other thing. We are also up for an award. The Football Blogging Awards has us yep. under That's under awesome. the podcast, under the podcasting thing. All you have to do is go on to Twitter and face hashtag podcast and say, I am voting for Yellow Carded Podcast. Now, if we get into the final six, I'm flying to Manchester. <laughs> and I might, I, I might have to, I might have to connect. I'm, no. Okay. I might, I might have to, I might have to kidnap Keith and bring him over. There's only one flaw in that plan. You can't kidnap someone who's willing to go along. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, twist, ow, ow, twist my arm if you munch. Yeah, must. Yeah, I want to go to Manchester. Yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting, you haven't been over there, so. No. So, anyway, go and vote for us in the football blogging awards. It's just the FBAs. You've, if you've been following the show, you... You've, been, you've seen me tweet it out because I've been writing for Anthony Cooper for, God, I think two years at this point. And he's looking for more writers. So 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 an amazing writer like Matt Hoffman should be writing for the football blogging awards about stuff like this. <laughs> Thank you. He should also be tweeting and saying that he's rooting for the Yellow Carded podcast so I could go over to Manchester. Okay. Well, I'm, I, when I unpack my computer, I'll be sure to do that. Yes. Don't you, don't you youngins have smartphones nowadays? Uh, well, uh, now that he's driving, though, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, you guys. So long of course, you. Of course, you listeners are missing this joke here. I'm the youngest on the show by about five years, easily. Yeah. So yes. I, I I like to joke and call these two the youngins just yes. just to ma- just to make the gray hair stand on up on the back of my neck. So anyway, I know I know I know Iris Kalarsep wrote an article about the homegrown myth, and I I, I texted yeah. it to you. How was that yeah. article? Because I haven't gotten to it yet. I lo- I like the article. I understand what he's trying to say. The, the thrust of his article 
was that MLS is kind of playing fast and loose with the term homegrown player. And one of the points oh. he brings yeah. And one of the points he brings up is how you know clubs are claiming that an academy player who's been there one or two years is a homegrown player, even though he might have gone to the academy and later went to college and spent and been there for four years and they're claiming him as a homegrown player and they say it's kind of playing loose and fast with it. And he talked about how you know, the talent flow from the academies hasn't really been that strong yet. Well, I got a, I, I, I love eyes. I love reading his articles. And, but I got a couple of points I want to bring up on this. Number one, I say if you've got a player for two years at an academy and he's going to college for four, guess what? I see, still say he is a homegrown player. He is in that and he, for that academy time. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're playing in college, guess what? You're playing a four-month season. Basically, August through November. Uh, August, September, October, November. Yeah, four months. Four months in. You say four years of college, that's 16 months. That's not a year and a half, okay? Not even a year and a half. And uh, that's assuming the players are going to play in the MPSL. So two years in the academy, to me, is better in terms of not only just the time factor, but also in terms of player development. Because you're conforming more to professional, you're conforming to professional rules as opposed to NCAA rules, which are screwed up with some students. So I, I disagree with saying with, with him saying that if a player's been two years in the academy or four years in college, they shouldn't be staying at home ground player. I say he is because I think he's got more time and more training in, in the academy than he did at college, even though the actual calendar period wasn't as long. And, and number two, and this is the part everybody forgets, you because of the academies, we're just starting out with this academy stuff. I mean, any, who... Who had the first academy in MLS? Anybody know? Because I, I don't off the top of my head. I don't know if you guys know it uh, right away. But we haven't been doing the academy thing that long. Most of Europe have been doing it about 100 years, okay? You know, let's give this some time here, people. It's not going to happen overnight. You, you know, the fact that you, I think a lot of people might be a little bit spoiled by the fact that MLS has been able to do as well as it has. And don't, don't misunderstand, I'm not saying MLS is perfect. We talk, You guys talked about with allocation, player allocation, stuff like that. There are some flaws in the process. There are some things being done wrongly as far as I'm concerned. There certainly isn't as much transparency with the player allocation as we like. But you, we talk about Chivas USA taking a two-year hiatus. When you look at 20 years, this is only the fourth major franchise Change that has happened. You had the retreat. The the had the uh, you had Tampa Bay and, and, and Miami fold up in the contraction, and then you had the original San Jose move to Houston, but San Jose was reborn. Over a twenty-year period, only four major franchise changes. That's pretty darn good in this day and age, especially where it, it's so difficult to succeed. You go back and look at the old North American Soccer League. If they win an off-season with only four major ch- franchise changes, they'd have been turning hands free. The lady in Woosnam, uh, the late um, uh, Phil Woosnam, getting golf and soccer confused. I watched, I watched too much Ryder Cup this past weekend. But the late Phil Woosnam would have been a turn colors on that. So you know, this, you know, this whole world player stuff, you know, if you think you're there playing fast and loose with it, it's fine. I'm not really concerned about that as much as I am the actual development of the player and it's going to take some time for these academies to really get to a point where they're producing more players for 
the parent club on a regular basis. Because, again, the other thing is, this is a point I brought up before, the academy, MLS academy, they're going to be, for the most part, limited to, pe- to kit players in their metropolitan area. You're not going to see too many instances where a family moves uh, from one city to another to get in a particular academy. This isn't like tennis. This isn't where you see people leaving uh, for Bradenton, Florida, moving down there so they can go play tennis under Nick Volatieri. That's not what we're dealing with here. So don't get too alarmed about play, lack of player development, homegrown players in the academy and stuff like that. We haven't been doing it that long. Give it some more time. It'll come to fruition sooner or later. You, you, look, at, you look at the history of the NASL. You know, it took all through, you think it from the cosmos, really starting in 1972, to the point where American soccer reached its modern era, which is November 1989, where Paul Caligiuri scored in Trinidad to put us into the World Cup for the first time in 40 years, okay? That's a 27-year period you're looking at here to see the fruits of what happened in the NASL start to show. Okay, and admittedly, the quality of play, you put, if you took that 1990 team and uh, put them against this past year's World Cup team, 1990 team wouldn't stand a chance. They'd get whipped. There's no question about it. The standard of play has come considerably. But it took a long time from the beginnings of the NASL to get to the point where we could even just qualify for the World Cup. So you know, show some patience, people. That's, that's, I guess, the main point of what I'm saying. And don't get too caught up in labels on this homegrown player stuff. Yeah, I re- we really shouldn't, and it's it's uh it's an interesting thing. I mean, I I really I really do think as we kind of talked last week with Chris Gluck about having to expand the territories, because one of the things I'm kind of fascinated with is Toronto FC. They say they have all these like affiliate organizations that they go to. Yet they don't cross the border into New York. I mean. I know, I know the New York, uh, the New England Rev- Revolution have their USL pro team here in Rochester, New York. But you would think that if you can get some young players from young players and put them in an academy at a young age, that would be perfect. I mean, I know with the team I coach right now, there's enough young talent laying around that you can, if you develop them the right way and put them in your academy. I mean, Toronto is going to be pinching itself in a couple of years when three or four of these people that come out of Buffalo do well. I mean, they needed a goalkeeper for years, and they missed on Revolution's goalkeeper, Bobby Shuttleworth, who was in their backyard. But, you know, I I think the problem, I think the problem with sports in general, as fans expect too much going in right away. I mean, I notice this watching watching games. I almost have to turn off social networking when I'm watching games because everything is a bad game. Every player is a bad player, and we always expect too much. Maybe that's what we're expecting out of the United States, us to improve so significantly that it's that we're going to beat Portugal every year, that we're going to beat Spain yeah. every year. I mean... that's a, And that's a great point, Stephen, because, again, we uh, people tend to forget this, and I've brought it up many times before, but because 
for the most part, there's not a whole lot of money to be made for a player in Major League Soccer. Again, the, the Chris Pauls, the Phil Kessels, the Mike Trouts, and the Richard Shermans of the world are not going to be inclined to play it. And that is the biggest handicap we have. Believe me, the Europeans know, and the Europeans know this. You know, remember, they, remember, basketball's pretty popular in Europe, as is hockey. They know we have great, lots of great athletes over here, whether it be basketball, hockey, they see the Olympic Games. They know we have great athletes, and they know full well. Guys like those I just named who are playing soccer, they'd be in trouble. They'd be in serious trouble because, you know, in Europe, you know, most of your top athletes still play soccer in terms of team sports. Yeah, rugby has grown considerably over the last 20, 30 years. As you get, certainly basketball and hockey have become big over the last 40 or 50 years. Uh, and especially the, and the European players, you know, when we see a lot of them in basketball come over, not all of them do. There's, there's enough money over there. Guys don't have to come over if they don't want to unless it's an ego thing or they know there's not a snowball's chance. They're not going to make it. Yes, some Europeans are flop. NHL, a little different story. The European leagues aren't that big with the exception of the KHL in Russia. So the, the, the lack of big rewards is what is the biggest handicap. We, big financial rewards is the biggest handicap we have in terms of attracting our best athletes to the game. And, that's, and people just tend to forget that. Uh, and... And yes, there are exceptions. And again, I'm not knocking the athleticism of the guys we have. We've got some great athletes, there's no question. We just don't have as big a pool of them to draw from. You know, the, the, this, it's, as I've said before, it's the reverse of what we saw in basketball in the 60s and 70s. Sure, for pure numbers of players, nobody's going to produce the number of NBA players that America does. But there's enough. But each country over there in Europe, they produce enough where they can compete with ours, our guys, and for the most part, at an international level, you know, they caught up to the college players. You know, they've, they've been able to play, in some cases, with the NBA players' international competition as well. So, it's, you know, people do get impatient. Uh, they look for quick results. They want the quick fix. Uh, and I think, and, and I know this makes sense, but the NFL, believe it, has a lot to do with that. Because you look at the NFL and the setup they have. Um, yeah, unfortunately, part of the problem I have with the NFL is there's too much mediocrity out there. And I was listening to Doug Gottlieb on CBS Radio, who's a big soccer fan too, by the way. And he used to talk about teams like, who uh, like uh, you know, who look in the first four weeks of the season and look great for a couple of weeks and look terrible for a couple of weeks. You know, Buffalo, Bills start out 2-0, and now they're 2-2, and and they're changing quarterbacks. Raiders have already fired their coach. It's, you know, they're, they're, but what we see in the NFL, teams go from terrible to the top in a year. You think back, go back to 1999, the St. Louis Rams and what they did when they were terrible. They come with this backup quarterback uh, that nobody ever heard of for the most part unless they followed arena football. The, the, that happens a lot in the NFL, whereas other sports, it takes some time to build something. And, you know, unfortunately, because most people, you know, people follow the NFL more than the other sport, you know, they tend to get caught up in that mentality and think, hey, it can be done in these other sports too, and it simply can't. And soccer especially is a game where that's true for the simple fact that 
this is it's not a game of statistics as much. I know, and I'm sorry, Chris Buck, if you're listening. I'm not trying to knock you and what you do, but you know, the game is as much about your feel, what you see, the eyeball test, uh, team chemistry, and things like that. And you know, and I this just kind of popped in my mind. The fantasy sports boom, I think, contributes to this too. Because, and again, the NFL is the comparison here. You look at, if you put together in real life the teams you see people call the fantasy teams, there's no guarantee it would work. You look at a guy's like, uh, let's say, like a, like, like for the Ravens, for the Baltimore Ravens, for example, they won the Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco as their quarterback. Those are guys that don't get picked very often in fantasy. You don't put up huge numbers. But they help the team win. There are certain factors in game, in sports, that you can't measure by numbers, whether it be winning, whether it be what a player has inside of him, and things of that nature. And that applies to soccer, really, to me, more than any other sport, because it's a free-flowing game. Players are not pre-programmed. They do whatever the instincts in their brain and their bodies tell them to do. You can't measure these things as much analytically or quantify them in terms of numbers. And because we've had some success, people just expect it to continue up and up, step, step, step by step by step, and go from strength to strength. Well, sometimes we regress, and we've seen this since 1990. We've made a step or two forward and taken a step back, another step forward, another step back. It's going to happen that way. It's going to continue to happen that way. We're not going to be, it's going to be a a while. I'm going to be very old, if not gone, by the time the United States really, to me, becomes a consistent contender uh, in terms of the World Cup and, and World um, and World Soccer uh, uh, tournaments, as far as contending with the other the other major powers. So, but because you look at England, England should be there should be great every World Cup, and they haven't been recently. They've been terrible the last few World Cups, and and the the. the the indignation and the, and the angst and everything else in England was palpable this past year. So, you know, patience is not something the American sports fan does very well here in the 21st century. And, that, and uh, unfortunately, that has carried over into soccer, as you said, Stephen. Well, I mean, I, I have a complete different theory on why England sucks at soccer. And that, I think, is they... England as a whole is set in their ways. They want to tell people how to do things and how to play the game. The game has changed since they last were really good. And they keep playing the same exact way game, the same exact manager, playing the same exact type of talent. And it's right down to the grassroots. How many top young English players do you see coming through? Not many. I mean, Chelsea has, what, 480 players out on out, out on loan, and probably about half of them are um, born, and another three, and the rest will all probably be, be released at the end of the year. I mean, it's, I don't think, it's a, it's a huge systematic problem with what England, I'm going to lump Scotland into this, because Scotland was good was really good in soccer for a long time. And now they're sure, just... the 70s special, the 70s into yeah. the early 80s. Yeah, there's a, 
there's that uh, Richard Gordon. I wish I could get him on. I mean, it would be in the third different Scottish team um, fan we'd have because he's, he's a huge Aberdeen fan. He's, he's written a book called 70, 74. It's about the Scottish team in 1974 in um, the World Cup. I think that's out. I'll have to do when I do another one of my um, searches for books. It's out there. But I I think part of the thing with um, with MLS is that we want it to be so big because we see. I mean, I have I have a friend that I worked with last year that said the only the only way he'll watch soccer is if he'll watch Alex Morgan run up and down the field. He said, I only watch it because I think she's gorgeous. Now, I'll agree with you on that, but he has, over the last year, started watching the MLS. He, we shared a beer over the um, over the World Cup this year a couple times. We're seeing it grow. And I, I think in the next 10 years, we will see it, we will see it overtake, it will overtake one of the two, one of the Two main sports. I think basketball's completely fallen off. Um, NBA is falling off. I don't think. I don't think anything will cover college basketball. Cover ba- college basketball in the in the minds of some people. And the NFL is skating. It's it's beginning to teeter. <laughs> well, while soccer and the MLS will not be in any of our lifetime the biggest sports. And you, you guys are all people all sitting here. What if the top players, the top top athletes, play U.S. soccer? Um, Tim Howard had a basketball scholarship to Rutgers. Carlos Montenegro was a uh, scholarship defensive back. I can go on. There was a baseball player that was uh, a baseball player on the. On the, on the national team right now, there's a hockey player too. Yeah. Andrew Luck, the coach oh. quarterback, was a very good soccer player as a youth, and probably could have played in college. Yeah. So yeah, they're not star athletes. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're gonna, if you're going to keep quoting Kobe Bryant, first of all, you got to realize the dude's six eight. He would not have made it. Um, I mean, look at the top huge guys that are on planet. A strong winning Peter Crouch falls over. Well, he's a striker. They fall over if they if they see someone fall down three yards in front of them. And have, has anybody heard of Nikola Zig, Zigic? No, he's six nine. So you're trying to say that all these top players, maybe Chris Paul could have, but different. Yeah, I deliberately mentioned Chris Paul and Richard Sherman because they're not. Utterly huge guys. You know, Chris Paul's a point guard. Richard Sherman's a defensive back. There, you see guys that size in soccer, and you see them playing well, and not just here, but in Europe as well. So I picked them to live. And obviously, they would probably look differently as far as their their body shape and and uh, musculature and things of that nature, because they'd obviously go or be going to go different training than what they've done for bad. More Richard Sherman's case probably than Chris Paul, but. Those, these are guys, I picked those guys deliberately because of the, the size factor. Yeah, Kobe Bryant would probably be a very good soccer player, but at 6'8", you know, as you said, there's a little bit of an issue there. We know you know, Kobe's 
spent a lot of his time growing up in Italy. See, he's ingrained in the culture. He's a Barcelona supporter too. I do have to I do have to uh, mute for a few minutes here because I got to place a dinner order so take it away. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's one of the fun things we're doing doing this um, dirt, during the middle of the day night is Keith has actually his son sitting next to him, and they're they're going through they're going through a either McDonald's or Burger King at this time of the time of the week. So it's it's always fun to see in podcasts down where people are where people are going. Um anyway, you're listening to the Yellow Carded Podcast on Blog Talk Radio. We're brought to you by Global Scars. Please please go on Twitter as I highly recommend and vote for us under the podcasting court category for the football blog universe. All you have to do is write down, I am voting for at yellowheartedpod for hashtag podcasts, and then say at the football blog in the words. It'll pop up. Every vote counts, and we're up against a zillion podcasts out there. And as like last week, we're up against a baseball game, so... As we're getting closer to 8 o'clock, Keith and I might just drop at the end. Kansas City Royals are in the playoffs, and I thought I'd never see this, being a Kansas City Royals fan. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, anyway, I was, also, I was also wondering with the sport this week, at what <clears throat> excuse me, at what, at what point do we Stop worrying about who is in soccer media and just listen. I know this is a public extension with Keith Cook and this. He's a play-by-play announcer, and he has huge issues with not being at the top of the sport, which is fine. I have huge issues with not with not being paid to write. I know all of you love my writing, and you have seen me all over the thing, and you want to ask me what does it take to get to get where I am. I'm still wondering what it takes to get to where I am. But anyway, how do you, that's how I feel too sometimes, Steve. And believe me, how do I even get to this point here? But uh, and how do I get further? But that's that's another discussion I don't dare get into here. <laughs> oh yes, we try to put we try to put nicely. Oh, it looks like Pedro Martinez has lost weight again. Has he really? Wow. Yeah. Was he, he working? Is he working on Fox? Is he working on Fox for the playoffs? No, um, ALS, um, ALCS is on um, TBS. Oh, sorry, he's a, that's right. He's on TBS. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, it just was weird. There's a, there, um, we've glossed around. Yeah, you this got you got to love this. The, the buck, you, you got to love this. The Buckles and the Royals in the playoffs at the same time. Well, it's it's, uh, you know, it hurts the Indians missing out for for me, but it it definitely warms my heart to see the Royals and the Pirates finally get back. Because uh, I remember. You know, when the Royals were great in the late 70s and the uh, early 80s, as well as the, you know, those great Pirates teams in the 70s as well. So this is this is comforting to see. This is It's good to know that money doesn't always win out. You know, but this also really does stick the needle to baseball fans like my father, who are Cubby fans. Well, the Cubs are a different story altogether. You know, the Cubs are just... Uh, <laughs> The Cubs are the Cubs, okay? That, that, that's all there is to it. There's, there, there is something there that, uh, for what 
whatever reason they they can't they can't make it. They just they they're either you know really really bad or they get just. Uh, well, lately they haven't got close for the most part for quite some time now. But you know, the, the Cubs are the Cubs. It's a completely unique situation uh, compared to any but any other team in sports for that matter. Yeah, as, to, as I, I called my father on Saturday, Sunday, like I usually do, and I said, well, the world is ending. The Royals have made the playoffs. And he, he mentioned to me, he goes, no, no, that's not going to happen. No, here's what happens. It's when the Cubbies and the Royals make the World Series. That's when the world ends right there. And we thought that was going to happen in 2003, if you recall, because we thought for a while there it was going to be the Cubs and the Red Sox in the World Series. And remember, at the time, the Red Sox had won yet. That came the following year. You know, we thought, hey, somebody's curse is going to end that year, and it didn't quite work out that way. The Red Sox had to wait another year, but the Cubs uh, could the Cubs' weight is 107 years and counting, I think it is. What, what curses are there in soccer that need to be uh, to be annexed out there? Uh, well, the uh, the curse of 1950 uh, certainly didn't get uh, exercised this past summer like a lot of Brazilians were hoping for. In fact, was the, I think it was you who pointed or somebody pointed it out, that in this past World Cup, yeah, the Maracanã Stadium was built for the 1950 World Cup, and that's where Brazil lost that last game of the World Cup to Uruguay in 1950. This year, the World Cup, Brazil did not play there. They never played in the Maracanã, and the only game they would have played there would have been the final if they'd have made it that far. So that's that's the one curse I can think of in soccer that that exists. I don't know of any that exists here in the United States. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe there's something with the Cascadia teams because they've been around for so long, but uh, I'm not aware of any There's, one, aware, in, any there's one in Portugal that I wish, wish I could get Krakauer on, but he will have a... He hates this team with a passion because he's a sporting Lisbon. He's a... I think he even played with sporting Lisbon, too, growing up. So Krakauer is a Benfica supporter, right? No, he play, no. Um, he grew up. He grew up um, in Lisbon, in Lisbon, in Portugal. He's a he's a huge okay. sporting Lisbon fan. You know, he, oh, okay. I, 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 I hated. I, I think Crack actually played with the youth teams. I, oh, really? I know okay. from people in yeah. um, Manhattan that Crack Hour is yeah. actually a pretty damn good good player. Now, he's actually not a pretty, yeah. You can play. You can play for you. You can play for a youth team with sporting Lisbon. You're doing something right. <laughs> that's pretty. Well, that's pretty clear. Because I I have to think about that one uh, in well, terms then of again, uh, my fa- then again my father-in-law played for my well he's not really my father-in-law my sister's father-in-law um, turned out for um, Sterling in the lower divisions in um in I think yeah he played he played up in Scotland he had a couple trials with um, Sterling in the sixties and seventies. So, but then again, Phillips greatest. So that's yeah. Well, here's another that's one to think about. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one to think about. With uh, here's a guy. I'll give you a guy who you wonder what was his, what would his life be uh, had his dad's life, life gone the other way. Julio Iglesias, the singer, he was playing yeah. this season at Real Madrid, also the goalkeeper. Okay, but he got hurt seriously hurt in a car crash, and that took care of the 
football career. Where is Enrique Iglesias if that doesn't happen? You know, think about it. Chew on that thought for a while. Oh, no, you want one that's even better? You want one that's even better? Um, Elton John. Elton John was a goalkeeper. Was a goalkeeper in England. I think he. I think he did play with Watford. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. I think he's too short to yeah. for be a goalkeeper. Well, well Rod, yeah. Rod well, Stewart had a Rod Stewart had a trial at Brentford FC. He never signed, but he had a trial with them as well as some other uh, professional clubs. In fact, he's often said there's only two things in the world he can do well: play football and sing. <laughs> Oh yes, he's a massive Celtic fan. I mean, he, he, he's yeah, borderline thinks, crazy yeah, about it. Yeah, well, he he even mentioned Celtic in uh, the song "You're in My Heart" in the last verse. Oh yes, he he, he shows up at Paradise every now and then. Let's let's, let's see what the okay. Exactly. We've got these three. Yeah, he, I was going to say we have three. Go ahead. Talk, I don't know when when Stuart wrote the song "You're in My Heart." He kind of he said he designed the chorus of it in a way that the supporters could make songs out of it. He had some of the supporters in there singing in mind when he when he wrote that song in the first place. Exactly. Um we're off for we're off for a week after this. Keith is gonna go away for a week. So I'm just provided I have the internet connection next week, I will I might come up with something but I'm gonna take a. I might take a week off. Probably in two weeks we will hopefully have someone. Hopefully we will get. Hopefully we'll either get Bruce Silverman of Fort Lauderdale. I've got his email, so don't worry about that. Or maybe Alan Hinton will get a hold of us. Yeah, or, well, I'm still working on that. Thank you for reminding. Me. I got to send him another email. Or Steve Cangelosi, or. The great Phil. Yeah, I'm, still waiting for, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for a call back. I'm waiting for a call back from Kanji because he's kind of busy right now with the because he's got not only uh, the soccer stuff but he's getting ready for the hockey season. Well, because he also does New Jersey Devils on MSG. Um, yeah, exactly. So we're we're gonna try to find a guest coming up, and I've got some other random ideas in my head. And what one, and I'm, I've been thinking about this for a while, is a Coventry City supporter. I want to hear about what they've been going through completely. And I don't know if there is a Coventry City USA support group here. Well, not really, a supporters club here in town in um, up, in the United States. Sorry, I was going to say upstate New York. But but I would love to dig into that with them losing the ground and having to play at Brentford and them just being out in the middle, out like, Pain there because Coventry is a good club, is a good club with a good history, and something something just needs to be done about them. So it's going to be it's going to be what Birmingham City ends up being in a couple of years. Yeah, that's good. Coventry's been in the Premier League. That's 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 a, it's a strange situation they've got going there. Yeah. I, Interesting, but anyway, let's see. Let's see here. Um, I had a couple minutes left. Um, <clears throat> any final words before we hang up? Uh, yeah. Uh, October eighth, uh, next Wednesday, uh, the Columbus Crew rebranding is going to be unveiled. Uh, they've had a uh, uh, new crew hashtag new crew on Twitter. If you want to look it up, 
Um, they've got uh, ads around town, even painted in the intersections with a big yellow circle and that hashtag new crew. Uh, the crew have also posted some pictures that they took downtown, the skyline. In fact, one of them that they post, put on Twitter, on Twitter is a view from literally less than a half mile from where I work. And I did some exchange some messages with some of the media people and the bloggers and the podcasters around town, and the consensus seems to be, again, this is purely unofficial, of course, but the consensus seems to be that um, that the new, at least, there's definitely going to be a new logo, and it looks like it's going to encompass a circle and the city skyline in some fashion or another. Uh, there was some talk about uh, the colors won't change. Man, Mr. Precourt made that clear from the beginning that the colors would stay black and gold. There was some talk about the name changing, but my suspicion and my media context suspicion uh, also say the same thing. If they're using this hashtag new crew, that's probably not going to happen. So uh, hmm. Wednesday afternoon, October 8th at 3 o'clock, I believe, Eastern Time, is when the new logo will be unveiled. Well, which which will be a lot of fun, and then of course we will talk about that having you you being in being there. Anyway, Stephen Brandt, Keith Kukinda, we will see you in a couple weeks.